Dana Beasley. I'm an independent consultant and partner with the YWCA of St. Paul. I work with them to advance their mission of eliminating racism and empowering women. This is a special podcast during our week without violence. While the pandemic is still raging, we are bringing to you resources and information digitally so that you can be safe at home but still informed. Today, I'll be interviewing Nikki Beasley, the Director of Housing and Public Policy at the YWCA of St. Paul. She has dedicated her career to gender-based violence issues and advocating for women. Nikki, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dana. (laughs) I'm so happy to be here. Yes, thank you for joining Mm -hmm. us. So uh, let's talk about the WISE Week Without Violence. Sure. How did it get started? Can you tell me a little bit about the impact and what you all do? Mm -hmm. So the YWCA reaches 2.3 million women and girls and their families through more than 200 local associations in 45 states wow, and the District of Columbia. So we all, all of the YWCAs provide critical programs that include domestic violence um, and sexual violence services as well Mm. um, through 12,500 staff. Oh, wow. And 52,000 volunteers. Tell us a little bit about your background. As far as professionally, I worked for an organization in Minneapolis uh, that served runaway and homeless youth and families that were in crisis. Mm. And uh, that's where I started my career in uh, nonprofits. I was responsible for um, counseling. I was also, for family counseling, I was also responsible for managing the and supervising the emergency shelter uh, that we operated. And so... We had young people that came to us for, for a myriad of issues, uh, one being uh, domestic violence um, and violence that was happening in the home, family mm-hmm. violence. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I began working uh, for another organization in St. Paul uh, that is dedicated to serving women and girls that are being sex trafficked. Okay. And of course, within that, um, inherently, there's violence. During the time of uh, serving that organization, uh, created a coalition around getting legislation passed um, Mm -hmm. for the state of Minnesota, and that was the Safe Harbor Act. Oh, wow. And so that happened in 2013-2014, and that was specifically around getting legislation passed where young people were not um, being criminally prosecuted because of uh, charges of prostitution. Oh, sure, because of circumstance. Yes. Okay, yeah. And so we we really campaigned. um, Like I said, it was a a handful of organizations that just kind of brought all of their leadership staff. We brought in our uh, participants that we were working with, and they testified, and we sat right beside them in front of legislators. Oh, wow. And... um, the, the bill, the law, got passed. Um, and so that is still today the Safe Harbor Act um, for the state of Minnesota. That's amazing. Yeah. That's big so, work. Mm-hmm. And so now here at the Y, mm-hmm. we're bringing together information for folks today yeah. to learn more about 
gender-based violence. Like, what does that really mean? We do focus a lot on physical abuse, but there are many forms of abuse. So as your career has demonstrated, folks in vulnerable situations uh, experience gender-based violence, even if it isn't technically in the traditional form of domestic abuse, which mm-hmm. is what I think a lot of folks are used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and so like I said, if I kind of go through the the timeline of my career, what I saw when I worked for the youth serving organization is, um, and what we know, research and statistics, is that when young people are away from home, whether they leave on their own mm-hmm. or are kicked out of their home, um, they are highly um, susceptible and and oftentimes approached within about 24 to 36 hours by someone who, who their plans are to um, use the young person in oh, unsafe wow. ways. So it, it doesn't... That quickly? It doesn't take that long. Wow, I yes. didn't know that. Yes, so it is, it is very, very... Um, quick because traffickers, people that are looking to abuse and and uh, whether it's, when that would be for young people, it doesn't matter the gender. So mm-hmm. this is a little more than gender-based violence, but um, just the vulnerability of young people sure. in general. Oh, wow. Um, and um, predators. And, right, they're predators yeah. because, and because they are, you have um, traffickers and, and um, adults that that are looking to exploit young people, mm-hmm. um, they they kind of have an eye out sure. all the time. But now moving to the organization that specifically where the mission was about um, helping women and girls getting out of the life of pr- prostitution, uh-huh. um, that was where I saw the most of the gender based violence. Sure, yeah, and I would say it was more that than necessarily domestic violence okay. um, in the kind of traditional, quote-unquote, traditional sense uh-huh. because these were, um, and there's also um, a term of um, intimate partner yes. violence as well. Yeah. And so um, that's another way that gender-based violence, that's another form um, because it can be in a, relationship that appears loving and and healthy and to most people around the couple Mm -hmm. um but then there's violence happening within within the different types i would say of uh violence would be there can be emotional there can be verbal there can be physical financial yes yes all of these are can be abusive yeah abuse yeah or exploitation Mm. um you know, there's some of those that are that are kind of more insidious, just controlling, possessiveness. Mm. Um, yeah, say more on that. Yeah, all of those are where, you know, especially for young people, but I would say for all people, it's this overbearing, needing constant awareness of where you're at, where you're going, what you're doing, who you're with. Um, and, and just all of the controlling possessiveness mm. um, that sometimes can be interpreted as being love. Oh, I see. He or she really loves me. Um, they are really worried about me. They really care about me. That's just me. how they care. That's sure. just how they show care yeah. and how they show love. And so, But you internalize it. 
as yes. you're doing something wrong. Oh, if I didn't do this to upset them, right. they would... Okay. Right, if I were just where I said I would be, or if I wasn't at the store as long as I said, I, yeah. you know, those the, kinds of things. All these justifications for... For control. For control. And power. Yeah. Okay. And, and in what, for the one who's being abused, it really is just normal life, daily goings on in a, in a, in a person's daily life. Sure. But there's this undercurrent of, like you just said, that they're doing something wrong. They're not where they're supposed to be. They're right. talking to the wrong person. They're spending too much money. Okay. Those kinds of issues that are a little more insidious and typically happen... Um, more statistically to women. While I was doing research, I was really fascinated by how I thought I knew, how how little I actually knew. I think what you're describing is actually stalking, right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, where are you? Where are you right now? The multiple texts, the multiple phone calls, checking in constantly where you are, if, mm -hmm. you're, if they don't know where you're at all times. Um, that I didn't think about, and I think it's very easy to fall into that trap. Yes. Of thinking that's love. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about financial abuse? Because I think mm -hmm. that's something that doesn't get discussed a lot. Mm -hmm. And the isolation and the long-term damage that can come from that. Right. Um, well, I, it can look um, all kinds of ways, I think. One is preventing or refusing or to allow the partner to work outside of the home okay. uh, to earn her own money. Mm-hmm. Or if she is earning her own money, it's going into an account that she may not have access to. Okay. Be, being given an allowance, so being given how much money you can spend in a day or a week. Okay. Um, whether it's on and then and then controlling where you spend it. So it's it's I'll give you X amount of dollars, and this better be spent for the kids. Okay. Or, yeah. And like, not here's for, twenty dollars for diapers and food, yeah, no more. Exactly. Right. Um, and it's up to you to figure out how you're going to get your needs met sure. with this finite amount of money. Um, so controlling bank accounts, controlling being on leases or mortgages. Oh, or cars. Or cars. Sure, so having a... things that are solely in the abusive partner's name. Okay. So it's just like an unequal partnership. Unequal partnership. Yeah, to the point yeah. where you're dependent on them and that, for and, survival. Right. And that's yeah. kind of what that that dynamic and what that abuse is is intended to create is this dependency where then you start to believe you can't and I've heard what many women say mm -hmm. they just don't know how they're going to live even though it's abuse yeah. and even though they're traumatized and they're scared they've been hurt and harmed mm -hmm. and all of that mm -hmm. um, they fear for their children they fear for their pets you know it's all their family members um, that they stay because they believe they can't do it without sure the partner yeah and every and then you start to look at everything that really is to typically his benefit mm -hmm. versus versus the woman so the financial mm -hmm. the financial abuse um, again if you're told you know well I'm better with money or I I make more Sometimes mm -hmm. it's around the who, mm. who's the larger breadwinner of the of the family, mm -hmm. and so then that person. And we know just with the how disparate it is with how much men and women make. Right. Oftentimes it is the man. Yeah. And so then, so there's a lot of like just kind of defaulting because 
it's what you're told over and over and over right. again, and then you start to believe it. Mm-hmm. Like, well, maybe he is much better with money than yeah. I am. If you get told something enough times, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure you do you're start, to, start believe it. to believe that. I think that also plays out a lot when children are involved in yes. the relationship and yes. young children and childcare is an issue mm-hmm. and and one parent stays home to watch the babes then say kiddos like starting school maybe you want to work again and then suddenly dynamics change in the household and right. yeah and then that things can reveal themselves at transition points yes in which families is, lives yes which is why during this covid year and a half mm-hmm. um we saw um, and we know we heard in the news the increase um in domestic violence happening yes across this country you know probably across the, the world an increase and in uptick of that but we definitely did see that just in our community of the ywca st paul because we have housing for families and one of the ways in which they become homeless is because they're fleeing domestic violence. Talk more about that. Sure. And talk more about the WISE housing program for families in transition. Yeah, so uh, the YWCA has had housing for for women and children for many, 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 many years. Um uh, we have two housing programs. So we have a tr- transitional housing program where families who have been homeless are in shelter. They get an assessment through the county and they are then referred to either the YWCA or other programs mm. depending on um, the outcomes of the assessment that they take. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of about fit and priority. Okay. Um and, and availability. And so if uh, the YW has availability, we'll get a referral. Like I said, one of the, the issues that the family may be in shelter um, is because of their fleeing domestic violence. And they can be in our housing program for up to 18 months. Okay. 18 to 24 months is, is about the average. And uh, they're working basically at just getting stability just being housed mm-hmm. and then all of the stability that comes with that but then they also work with housing case managers to work on goals outside of just attaining housing because now they're in housing so yeah. now what's the next step, step for them and for their children that's a good amount of time 18 to 24 months oh that's nice as opposed to i know of a fair amount of programs that are just um emergency based immediate exactly like 30 days yeah or maybe even day by day Mm -hmm. so 18 Mm -hmm. to 24 months really allows people already some stability exactly to know okay every night Mm -hmm. we will be sleeping here Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. wonderful Mm -hmm. um and what we see um with regard to domestic violence is sometimes those partners Mm -hmm. that they fled um there's a reconnection that happens okay and so sometimes that person kind of comes back into the life um, of the family because again this could be the father of the children Mm -hmm. and so there's kind of a dynamic that will happen so yes maybe she fled and then maybe there's some reasons that he's saying well I should know where you live I should know where my kids live Mm -hmm. Um, I want to see my kids yeah etc etc and so we have definitely seen um, an increase in domestic violence. And it's not always from pre- past partners. It can be from, from new relationships, new partners, sure. too. 
It's and, also a very stressful time. And it's a stressful time. I read this so, statistic yeah. where it's on average, it takes a person seven tries to leave their partner mm-hmm. or to leave a unsafe environment. Yeah. yeah. Seven times. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that, it just gives a little light as to how complicated it really is. Exactly. Because people will say, well, why does she keep going back? Right. Some of it like isn't even, for example, legally, if you share children, both parents do most times have a right to see both kiddos and then yeah. suddenly you're interacting right and you're in contact in contact right yeah. like you, when you have things in common mm-hmm. it's very hard to just cut them out yeah. also i think another thing that we don't necessarily talk about is that most relationships don't start off abusive <laughs> like it's a gradual very true right it's like losing weight, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's very gradual and you might not even notice. Mm-hmm. And then maybe there's a big moment where you're like, boom, and you lose like three, mm-hmm. four pounds. Or maybe there's, for example, an incident. There's like a rage incident or yes. or something takes place. Mm-hmm. It can just slowly change. Dynamics in relationships can just slowly change and then yes. become unhealthy. Yeah, because women often will say, well, I don't, you know, it didn't. He wasn't like this when we started, is a common um, thought, um, phrase, belief. Or it's this bewilderment of, like, what happened? Like, how did we get here? Mm -hmm. Um, And so kind of unpacking that, it, it, um, yeah, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of work and a lot of courage. Yeah. Because then there's this feeling of, did I cause this? I'm, I'm also at fault if this happened and I stayed, so mm-hmm. maybe I deserve it. So it's a lot of a lot of that yeah. also. It's not just the immediate, but how you're describing it. Because there's so much more involved than getting hit that one time. It's all of the pieces you pick up afterwards, yes. you know? It's the bad credit. Somebody mm-hmm. took a loan out mm-hmm. and defaulted on it, but mm-hmm. you're the one holding the loan papers. You didn't even know it's out there, for example. So exactly. it's like cleaning up your credit. It's... Realizing you might have PTSD and it's hard to move forward in relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Realizing all the things that aren't obvious right in that moment that accompany domestic violence, that accompany intimate partner violence. Even one thing that I think is very prolific that doesn't get discussed a lot is bullying because it, it infiltrates like every system in our country, every, Mm -hmm. you know, schools, workplaces, all cultures, like bullying is a factor and that can really play into mm-hmm. gender-based violence. Even Absolutely. sexual harassment falls under that umbrella, for Absolutely. example. So, Absolutely, um, it does. And I think of, because we as a, as a society have become so tied to our social media pages and, you know, um, platforms that it's easy it's easy for it to happen. Either it's the direct kind of bullying, stalking, or it's the kind of using it against um, someone that oh, sure. that you're trying to like, abuse, like you like know, a, like blackmailing or like that, or um, okay. like why can't you be like this? So like a oh, comparison, okay. And so kind of planting these seeds of I'm not good enough. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. That's. Ha- that's deep. That's a deep one. Yeah, right? that will mess you up. Yeah. When you mentioned social media, I realized, oh, of course, I can't think of a day where 
my social media accounts aren't telling somebody where I'm at or what I've been doing, which makes it, or even I'm on a family plan and you can track my phone Mm -hmm, or any mm -hmm, of that. mm -hmm. So in these wonderful tools that keep us connected, it also can be very dangerous. Yeah. I, I often call it the gift and the curse. Yeah. It's at the same time, right? Like if they operate in tandem. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so understanding a bit more about how pervasive abuse is in our society at large, what can we do to make ourselves aware and combat that? So, for example, what ingredients make a healthy relationship? Mm-hmm. You know, I when I counsel women and girls, the first thing that I always say, and it's something I was taught like from my mom and the women in my life, is to listen to your gut. Mm. Yeah. And that's not anyone, that's not anything that you can be taught or told or counseled, um, but empowered. Yes, you can be empowered and encouraged Mm -hmm. to listen to your gut because that oftentimes isn't telling you wrong. Yeah. I think it's also when when someone has control over you Mm -hmm. or when someone has obtained a lot of your power or you're feeling powerless, mm-hmm. being able to listen to your intuition absolutely. can be empowering and life-saving. And life-saving, yeah. absolutely. Um, as far as healthy relationships, I think it's that that person is the person that you that you want to share, you know, the good things and the hard things. You feel safe. You feel mm. safe with that person mm-hmm. in sharing, um, in, in your giving. Mm-hmm. And that you're safe emotionally, that you're safe spiritually, physically. Right. So I think that that, that's key. And that really cuts across all relationships. So that's not just your intimate partners. That's really how it should be in your family relationships, Mm -hmm. your work environment, your social circles. And really, oftentimes, you're looking at the same dynamics of how do I feel when I'm in the presence of a family member that truly loves me unconditionally and mm-hmm. I love them? Like, how does that feel? Mm-hmm. Because it really shouldn't feel much different from a boyfriend, girlfriend, intimate partner. Okay. The safety, the connection, the trust. Yeah. Okay. Um, those kinds of just kind of the hallmarks of good relationships in general. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be different for an intimate partner. The difference being that there's obviously things that physically you're doing right. intimately um, um, that yeah. make that relationship different. different. Right. But kind of how they show up in your life and mm-hmm. how you show up in theirs mm-hmm. really isn't very different. Okay, so what I'm hearing is communication is key. Yes. Like being able to be, being able to talk and make mistakes, mm-hmm. but know that they're still going to love you. They're still going to be there. Mm-hmm. They're still going to care for you. Yeah. And you're not going to get hurt. Yes. Or or um, emotionally or physically yes. because you made a mistake because, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm hearing. Because, I mean, obviously we're people. We get upset. We get angry. We can speak out of turn mm-hmm. even. Mm-hmm. But I think being able to come back around and, and acknowledge where you did wrong and even being a big enough person to say, I don't like the way I spoke to you there. I'm sorry, I realized that wasn't right, mm-hmm. is still really relevant. Oh, and if, absolutely. if you can do that in your relationship, then it's 
quite healthy. It's quite right? healthy. Okay. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Learn it as we go. Okay. <laughs> You're so funny. Oh. Well, you know, it's so funny. Like, these seem like fundamental things that we're discussing, but yet, I don't know, like all things, as I get older, I learn life is messy mm. and it is mm. not always clear. And yet, Things we learn as toddlers are still always key, like do unto others. Right. Right? As Saying please and thank you. Right? <laughs> yeah. Don't take. Don't yes. hit. And yes. yet, still as adults, I get cranky when I'm hungry. You know, so just <laughs> someone be like, do you need a snack? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Knowing that those same things happen to babies as they do as adults, but just the ramifications are bigger and we still have to work on them is humbling yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely it's not one and done right that's for and sure and just because we're older doesn't mean we're necessarily wiser at all things mm-hmm. there's still plenty to learn absolutely okay so i just have a few more questions for you but i still think your brilliant brain can share some advice with oh, folks okay <laughs> so just to double back a little bit knowing that abusive relationships don't necessarily start off as abusive mm-hmm. what are some red flags Say you're out to dinner with someone mm-hmm. and, you know, there's a couple of words you don't like used or maybe somebody gets mad at a server and you're like, oh, that seemed like an extreme reaction. Red flag? Or is it just like maybe they're tired that day? Spill. What's, what's okay. the tea? How do you decide? I would say that if there's a pattern oh. of behavior. Okay. Okay. Um, We know that patterns of behavior are the best predictors of future behavior. So Mm -hmm. one time someone like having a meltdown over something that maybe appears insignificant to me or to you Mm -hmm. is one thing. But if it's like every other time and it's showing up in other areas Mm -hmm. kind of at the same time. So maybe we went out to dinner and he went off on the server, but then... The cable went out, and now today he's on the phone with the cable person having a meltdown and cussing the person out. Mm-hmm. And then he comes home and talks about his day at work where he got into it with a, a, a co-worker. And then now he's yelling at the kids. Um, he's kicking things. Okay. Um, and we haven't even talked about, you know, when you add drugs or alcohol into any of this. That just makes everything... <laughs> everything worse. Right, yeah. Um. And so it's that kind of like hmm, paying attention to those patterns. Yeah. And it isn't just men. And it's not just men. It's everybody, right? It's mm-hmm. not just heterosexual couples. It's it's Absolutely. everybody. Yeah. With the research that's been coming out as of late, I was, again, surprised to learn that intimate partner violence happens at the exact same rate in same-sex partners as in not. Yes. I Yes. Absolutely. And I think the other thing to be clear about, too, is that people, because of the word domestic, mm-hmm. people often assume and believe that it it only is domestic violence if it happens in the home. Oh, sure. Right. Or like and with a domestic partner, with right? A with a domestic with somebody partner. that you share exactly. the home with. Okay. Exactly. But that's not always true. That's not always right. true. So you could have, it can be a, a child at home okay um or dependent let's say sure and if there's violence there that's also oh like domestic child, child or, parent okay okay yep. i see what you're saying um yeah that's still domestic violence sure sibling to sibling oh that's domestic violence oh I so it's think about, about that. The, yeah. it's about familial the relationship mm-hmm. of the people 
that determines whether it's domestic violence, not whether they're in a house or not, or right. in an apartment, or you know, into in some type of housing situation. Okay. Then to classify it, say you have like an abusive friend, and you don't mm-hmm. even think about it, but they bully you, or they're just mean, they're kind of controlling. That's still abuse. That's still abuse, absolutely. And it, and I'm glad you brought up roommate situations because yes. if something happens between roommates and you're sharing a household. Mm. That's domestic violence. Even though it's a platonic relationship, it's, you know, it's just roommates. Yeah. It's so powerful to hear you put labels and words to things Mm. that I think everyone has experienced. A sibling argument that gets out of control. I think we've witnessed it either with our own siblings, Mm -hmm. experienced it, or like seen other friends and siblings that just feels like there's this line that's crossed yes and i never thought of that oh yeah. wow okay all right so the that's main thing learn. is again it's just it's that there's a pattern of behavior because you're going to have parents and kids that fight and argue yeah right of course. and then you're going to have siblings because yeah. that's kind of how we learn and also brains are developing exactly things get heated we are still mm-hmm. i mean last year we were all inside for school oh yeah and working and we didn't have as much knowledge about covid mm-hmm. and so i fully believe things in every home didn't go the way right. folks wanted them to. Exactly. Yeah. But being informed about what's happening, like being informed about what's safe, mm-hmm. what's okay mm-hmm. is really helpful. Okay, so pattern of behavior is the biggest red flag. I have seen a lot of Instagram posts or memes about spotting red flags for others. For example, one of my favorites was this woman was on a date and a guy wrote on a receipt when her companion went to the restroom, red flag, red flag, You, this is not, oh. I'm seeing red flags, you deserve better, right? Okay. So <laughs> being able to spot. <laughs> That's funny <laughs> and weird, right? kind of, yeah. It made me think. Okay, good point. I appreciate this person's caring about another human mm-hmm. potentially being in a dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. But what I what it made me really think about is like how do you help a friend mm-hmm. who you think might be in some trouble? Right. What's a good way? What's a safe way yeah. to help a friend? I think that that that's that's always so hard, and that's always such a, a question for loved ones of of people who sure. are in um, violent relationships and. You know, the best thing, I think, is that you have to keep yourself safe mm-hmm. because oftentimes intervening, um, the lethality of something happening to the person intervening intervening is, is high. Sure, it could be really dangerous. Yes, yeah. and so you want to, one, be available, listen, talk, encourage the person that you love to seek resources, mm-hmm. to seek support and there's lots of whether if you go online and even on the YWCA um, USA webpage they have a quick escape oh, within great. the website and within the landing page okay and so that way you can click that and then immediately go to resources oh, helpful. Um, that can get you that can help that can get you help so really directing people to where you know the experts are mm-hmm. in helping that person um, get out get out safely and get out timely sometimes you could say well just go just get out of there now mm-hmm. 
But that's also, there's a high risk of injury and fatality at that point when someone's trying to leave. Okay. And so you have to be really careful about the advice that you give. And that's why it's always better to just direct them to the places that, that do this all the time. Smart. So just so bombard mm-hmm. them with resources. But then also yeah. in less extreme cases where there might not necessarily be physical violence or, mm-hmm. or a risk of um, fatality or personal mm-hmm. harm or injury. I like what you said about lending an ear. Or lending an ear. Sort of asking the right questions, mm-hmm. maybe? Mm-hmm. Pointing things out and yeah. just getting the person to kind of answer the questions themselves. Like, does she talk to you like that all the time? Yeah. How do you feel after he or she um, says that to you like that? Sure. Another really powerful um, tip is to kind of reverse the tables. And so then say to the the loved one, like, what would you tell me? I'm your sister. That is so smart. Or I'm your best friend. What would you tell me if I called you and I said these things were happening? Right. Nine times out of ten, if not ten out of ten, the person would say, well, I would tell you to get the hell out of there. Yeah. So then they kind of end up answering what they should do Mm -hmm. for themselves by putting themselves on the other side. That's so smart. I can't even tell you how many times, you know, that sometimes you got a negative self-talking voice. Absolutely. That of Mm self-doubt that just can sabotage you and... That is one of those really great examples Mm -hmm. where somebody just intervening saying, hey, don't talk to my friend like that. Yes. Right? In my head, I'm talking negatively to myself. But then a friend says, you would never talk to a friend like that. Why are you talking to yourself like that? Exactly. And it's the same thing. Why are you tolerating that Mm -hmm. type of behavior? And asking the questions, too, because if there's um, a a pattern of verbal, emotional, uh, you know, it, it is okay to assume that something physically is maybe happening but it's being more hidden okay and so asking questions about that like I hear how he talks to you I hear and see how you end up feeling Mm -hmm. and I see that your depression is increased or your anxiety is increased you know is he also physically hurting you Mm -hmm. so asking those questions which are hard because sometimes you don't want to hear the answer but it's important to ask that question to open the door for the person to say, well, yeah, he is Mm -hmm. or she is, but you don't ever see bruises because he knows where to hit me. Mm -hmm. Ask questions, even the ones you don't want to maybe know the answers to. (laughs) Sure. I think also there's real power to hearing things and saying things out loud Mm -hmm. over having the thoughts, right? Yeah. If you're forced to say, yes, I don't feel safe, Mm-hmm. That's very different than thinking, oh, this, I'm uncomfortable. Like, I don't feel safe right, right. now. That's right. very different. Saying it out loud and admitting to someone else, that's quite powerful. Yeah. And I think a real game changer. Letting somebody else in, mm-hmm. asking mm-hmm. for help. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, asking for help, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about Week Without Violence. Sure. Can you tell me a little bit about the impact and what you all do? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so we have um, acknowledged that week in different ways over the years. We have hosted a community event where we had a dramatic kind of reenactment. So we had two 
actors who came oh. in and uh, reenacted incident. Oh, oh sure. So, so it was like a performance. A, a performance. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And a panel of people. A couple of years ago, we had professionals, and then we also had a, a couple of survivors mm, sharing um, their stories. Yeah, sure sharing their really stories. Impactful. Yeah, and we had a police officer. We had a program manager for a local organization that serves women and girls fleeing domestic violence um and then the survivors and that was really powerful Mm -hmm. because we wanted to kind of be the audience to be able to ask questions and and i was actually the moderator of that and the community was able to ask questions from a law enforcement perspective from a survivor perspective from an agency perspective and that was really powerful So then last year we were in COVID, and right. so but we still um, recognized that week, and we did somewhat of a, a dramatic reading where there were four of us that spoke in the different voices of survivors. Okay. So we had Tell, someone told their who tales. told their tales, yep, who was the, the person being abused. Then we had the perspective of a loved one who wanted, who wanted or needed to be in support of someone being Mm. abused. And then we had the voice of a child Mm. talking from a child's perspective Mm -hmm. what they see and feel and hear when this is going on in their home. And that was really powerful as well. The common thread that I'm hearing Mm -hmm. is that intimate partner violence, domestic violence, all of these forms of abuse Mm -hmm. are not are not subject to just the two people involved in the interaction. Like it affects everyone. Right. It affects loved ones. It affects coworkers, mm-hmm. and friends, even agencies. Mm-hmm. Not even thinking about it, but of course, it affects yeah. people going to work, people there to help. Yeah, and so pervasive. You said earlier, yeah, you used yeah. that word, and I think that that's that's so true. Mm-hmm. You know what that says to me? Mm-hmm. It says the YWCA. We hear you. We see you. Mm-hmm. We care about you. Mm-hmm. And we're drawing a, a hyper-focused lens this week. This is a pervasive problem in our society right. that the YWCA helps the community with all year long. All year long. But Every we're going to yep. really focus on it this week to draw more attention to it because it's still a problem. It's still a problem. Yeah, it's an opportunity for everyone to to pause and really put a magnifying glass on it. Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing the work that you oh, do. Oh, thank you. Thank you for caring for our mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you taking the time to talk about these things with me. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. We'll have more resources posted online throughout the week. Um, if you go to ywcastpaul.org there will be resources for you to help a friend help yourself and also just learn more check out our website check out our instagram we'll be partnering with a couple of local organizations to help answer questions Mm -hmm. and like all wise folks say knowledge is power yes it is and so we're here to help Thank you for listening. Thank, thank you. you for being here. Yes. I really appreciate it. I know. This. Thank, thank you. Thank you. you. I'm so glad to be here. And this was this was awesome. I'm ready to let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay.